Welcome to the FinTech and Digital Banking Podcast by BCG Platinian. Your hosts are Annika Melchert and Nora Hocker. Join them as they talk to hand-picked FinTech experts about the future of banking. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the FinTech and Digital Banking Podcast by BCG Platinian. Presented to you, as always, by myself and my co-host, Annika. Hi there. As you might already hear, winter is coming in Germany, so sorry for the slightly different voice today. <laughs> <laughs> so today we have Philipp Bier with us, Chief Growth Officer from Nuri, which was previously named Bitwala. Nuri is a Berlin-based neobank with a very promising crypto offering. Hi, Philipp. Great having you here today. Hi, nice to meet you. Great to be here. Hi, Philipp. So Nuri has grown to over 250,000 customers in 32 countries by now. And you're also growing internally, like rapidly, with an increase of 45% in employees just over the course of the last year. I figured that's also to a large extent because of your role, the chief growth officer. Could you explain a bit what this role is about? Yes, absolutely. So yeah, chief growth officer might be a title that's not too widespread or too familiar yet. But essentially, what this means is I am strategically responsible for growth, specifically in the key metrics that we define success in the current state our startup is right now. So specifically right now, growth or we're driving growth in user acquisition. So driving more users to use Nuri and, of course, engage and retain with Nuri. So this is our big focus right now, strategically. And why growth? Well, I strongly believe that growth and startup success is really a multidisciplinary function. And especially in a very product-led and tech-led business, growth does not just come from say, the marketing team or the PR team or whatever team might work on a specific part of the funnel, growth is truly multidisciplinary. And especially also the product organization and the product teams largely contribute to improving user experiences, building better products that ultimately lead to growth. So to summarize, for me, growth and the responsibility I have is looking after the marketing team but also the PR team, but also product squad and product initiatives that help us deliver growth, primarily user acquisition, but of course also other metrics like revenue, which we want to grow over time. That sounds super interesting. So I'm wondering how does someone, or maybe more specifically, how did you become chief growth officer now at a startup? Yes, well, that's a longer journey. Perhaps I start from the beginning, which was actually in the banking sector. So I did my first stint in banking in 2008 in equity research, which was a very interesting time, obviously. And from there, I decided I am more attracted by technology. I would say the inner geek in me pulled me more towards the tech sector. So I actually started working at Google in 2010, where I joined the Google Enterprise Division, which is a very small function within Google, where I did a lot of program management, essentially driving new enterprise B2B users to adapt Google Cloud services, Gmail for business, but also Google Maps for business and Google Cloud services. And so back then, a lot of the things I did, I would say you would now call growth, which is building trial experiences, building better ways that small businesses, especially in Europe, can migrate over from on-premise hosting solutions to cloud infrastructure. And so we did a lot of experimentation there and building better user experiences, 
And then, yeah, four years later, I joined the hardware division within Google. So again, kind of an emerging business within a larger corporation where I did a lot of go-to-market planning, bringing Google hardware's devices like the Pixel, Google Home to Europe and helping the European teams launch and grow the market share of Google's hardware products. And 2016, I got very deep into crypto, fell down the rabbit hole, was fascinated by the technology also as a counter force to the Web2 world that we lived and I was working in back then. So for me, it was clear I want to be part of this journey, but also the application of blockchain and cryptocurrencies, especially in the financial sector, in my opinion, has a huge role to play and has huge potential in improving the products and services that we all use today. And so for me, it was clear that's where I want to go, combining both my marketing and growth experience, but also my passion and interest for blockchain and finance and bringing this together at Bitwala, which has become Nuri over the recent quarters. Yeah, interesting that you also just mentioned user experience. To me, honestly, crypto and user experience sometimes seem like opposite or not really related terms because crypto can be quite hard to grasp. So I'm really interested, how does Nuri manage to make crypto tangible and also maybe a nice experience for its users? Yeah, great question. So let me maybe start a little bit by talking about what we see in the broader investment market, not only specifically crypto. And what we see is that even with a very broad availability of investment apps and services, many people find it complicated to make proactive decisions about their financial future, right? Deciding essentially how much money do I need now and how much do I want to put aside for future use? And so we see literally millions of banking customers who are frustrated because with their traditional banks or even the neobanks, the modern banks and mobile banks from today, don't really offer yeah, attractive or competitive investment solutions, not even yet talking about things like crypto. Um, maybe one question here. Um, how does Nuri differ from the general competition? So for instance, talking about Coinbase from the United States or also Bitpanda with a quite similar offering with its roots in Austria. Absolutely, yeah. So I think the very there's a quite a few differences in the way that we deliver our products. So first of all, we are a bank account and we truly believe the bank account is the trusted place where people manage their money, manage their wealth. And this should also be the starting point for people to make financial decisions and making these financial decisions easier and more convenient. So rather than having to send your money to three or four different apps, accounts in you know abroad, the, we believe the bank account is really the starting point for making this decision. And especially when it comes to crypto, there are not many offerings that yeah, offer the safety of a bank account, the familiarity of a bank account to start investing into crypto and cryptocurrency regularly. So I would say that's the first differentiator. The second for us is simplicity. So we've been around since a while. We were the first bank account in the world to offer a cryptocurrency access. And we've always done that in a very simple way. So with Nuri, it is as simple as clicking a button to get started and buy your uh, real Bitcoin, saying real Bitcoin because these are not CFDs or certificates, but these are real Bitcoin into your either custody, so our managed wallet or the non-custody wallet, so a self-hosted wallet. So simplicity, while still offering all of the real benefits of crypto, is something that we do. And lastly, and this is a big differentiator for us, is curation and guidance. So as you might know, we only offer Bitcoin and Ethereum. Why? Well, we believe that especially for people who are looking to get into crypto, to get exposure into cryptocurrency, 
these two assets are really the key assets they should invest in. We're never giving investment advice, but we do have an opinion and we believe that Bitcoin and Ethereum both have very strong narratives and are a great way to get exposure into the market. And so we also create a lot of guidance around that. So we have the Nuri Academy where we talk about key terms and foundational knowledge about cryptocurrency. So we want to handhold our users and really guide them into this new world of cryptocurrency. How mature would you consider the European or especially the German crypto market? When will crypto become a commodity for investors? What are your thoughts on this? Yes, so I guess the German market specifically doesn't differ too much from kind of the global market and where cryptocurrency is right now. I think one really has to differentiate a little bit what we're even talking about here with cryptocurrency, because even that term can be misleading. We're not purely talking about currencies. And so when we talk, for example, about Bitcoin, you know, there is a narrative around a store of value. Diversification in the portfolio might make a lot of sense for people to have exposure to. But we might also be talking about Ethereum, which is more of an infrastructure on top of which new services, decentralized applications can be built. So ultimately, the answer to your question is the maturity will be reached once we have real use cases that solve real user needs. And so I would argue specifically when it comes to investment, There can be an argument that holding Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies a great way to diversify portfolio, a great way to bet on the future of digitization. And so I would say the market in Germany is yeah, relatively mature. We're seeing more and more mainstream attention into the sector, which is also helped by the regulatory side of things, which I'm happy to talk about a little bit later. That sounds good. What would you consider as your key competitors in Germany, especially since you now launched your savings plan and also some kind of educational academies to educate your users here? Yeah, so in a way we are quite unique in what we do and there is no direct competitors. It's really when you think about the use cases that you can identify different players in the market that might be moving towards a similar space. So on the one hand, we really see ourselves as a the new bank a challenger bank in the space. And the bank account really is the foundation and the starting point of wealth creation. And so here, obviously, we are competing with the new banks that you might all know. On the other hand, of course, we offer crypto and cryptocurrency services. So at the same time here, we are competing with crypto exchanges and also crypto brokers that are active in Germany. And of course, we're also now seeing more neo brokers offering cryptocurrency products These are often derivatives, so not really uh, real Bitcoin, but of course, they are, might also be relevant for certain users who want to have exposure. So I would say there's a number of competitors and we are actually seeing quite a convergence and consolidation in the market, different players coming out of different areas, moving towards similar use cases. And we believe we are well positioned here to play a major role there since we already do many of these things. We offer a bank account, we offer wealth products, we offer access to crypto And so we find ourselves in a sweet spot here in the market. You've previously already touched upon regulation. And when we look at especially European regulators or also the German BaFin, it feels like they are slowly tapping into the crypto world as well. There's this, the crypto custodian license, for example. How do you see this development? What do you think is the current situation in terms of regulation in Europe, especially also in Germany? Yeah. Very good question. So I think overall, we're very keen to see Germany play a very pioneering role in the field of crypto and blockchain regulation. So very early, Germany has taken a role in the crypto sector, also internationally. 
with great political initiatives like the German government's blockchain strategy, the Electronic Security Act, or like you just mentioned, the crypto custody regulation. And so these are all great initiatives that really drive forward a framework in which innovation and companies like Nuri can actually build products around. And we also, of course, yeah, welcome good cooperation with the German supervisory authority, the BaFin. I think what's happening right now is there's many discussions and drafts or changes in regulation that might threaten the local advantages that some of the local German players have and that they've built out in the past. And at the same time, what we're seeing on the EU level as part of the EU markets in crypto assets regulation, so the MiCA, the market for crypto and assets is currently being harmonized on an EU level. So in addition to revised AMLD5, so new anti-money laundering guidelines for crypto assets is coming. And so what we would really welcome is this regulation on an EU level to actually move forward before on a national level we rush towards yeah, new and updated regulation that might eventually put German customers, but also German startups and players in the field at a disadvantage. Yeah, very much makes sense to have this also somewhat consolidated on a European level. I assume fulfilling all the nationally different regulations might be a bit difficult also for a fintech to handle, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, we're already seeing this partially today when it comes to international growth. We are dealing with your very specific hurdles that are based on our German nature. So, for example, when it comes to user sign-up and getting users onboarded into Nuri, we are dealing with the very strict or stricter video identification methodologies that are guided by the German regulator. So, specifically, that's the video identification call. So, every new user needs to go through a live video identification call. And while in many other countries in the EU, there the KYC methodologies are different. So, for example, photo ident or asynchronous identification is a possibility there and users are used to. So what we do see is that a lot of our international customers have a very hard time actually getting started with Nuri. And so this is yeah one of them, a good example where German national law does stifle growth for us as a business. And I think the effects of that you know can also be that in the long term, German users are more likely to go with international or EU-wide offerings simply because the user journey is simpler, their user experience is easier to manage. And I think ultimately the effect could be that even you know, a lot of capital investors might not look too closely at German startup and the German crypto startup ecosystem, fintech ecosystem, but rather put their capital into markets that make it easier for their companies to grow and, and strive. I can fully agree on this from a user perspective. So I'm also a customer of Nuri, and I think when I opened my account some month ago, it took me not more than 10 minutes to finish everything here. Really cool. Hope that you can also bring this on an international level soon. Great. Great to hear. Coming to more tech perspective, since this is also focus of our podcast here, I've heard that you're also running on Solaris Bank, so whose CPO, Yakova, and we already had as a guest in our previous episodes. From the tech perspective, what does your underlying tech platform look like? Yeah, great question. So I think what makes Nuri unique is our setup and essentially the connection between several core financial infrastructures. So we connect a bank account that is run on the core banking system together with our partner Solaris Bank with our own trading engine. So the engine that actually facilitates the settlement 
the trading and settlement of cryptocurrency, as well as blockchain wallets, so the infrastructure where these cryptocurrencies are eventually held by the customer, and of course, also the compliance infrastructure. So if I break this down a little bit, talking about the trading engine, this is something we've built fully in-house. And basically what this trading setup ensures is extremely fast settlement between euro and Bitcoin or Ethereum. So within minutes... Is it a custom-developed software? Yes. So this has been custom-built in-house by us. And essentially, this is what you know made us and still makes us very unique because we can settle, again, real Bitcoin. So no derivative CFDs, but real Bitcoin and Ether within minutes between euro into the bank account or crypto into the wallet. And so this is not simply a third-party integration or plug-and-play integration. It's a very sophisticated in-house setup. And so this gives us quite a good end-to-end -end ownership of the customer experience when it comes to trading Bitcoin either manually or through new features like the savings plan, which you mentioned earlier. So that's a trading engine. I think the second core part is the cryptocurrency wallet. So where we come from is a world where especially more advanced users are very interested in holding their private keys to their wallets. So the mantra, be your own bank, is still very important in the cryptocurrency field. So one of the solutions we offer for more advanced users is non-custodial wallets. So wallets where users can control their private keys and have full access to their on-chain transactions and their Bitcoin or Ether. At the same time, we realized that the custody world or custody providers has really developed in the last few years. And there are some fantastic solutions out there that make it a lot simpler for users to get started buying crypto without having to manage private keys, without managing or having to go through a rather complicated setup of their own wallet. And so we also offer wallets that are managed by licensed custody providers, various bank digital assets. And this is much smoother user experience and ultimately gives the user the choice on how they want to hold and handle their cryptocurrencies within Nuri. And the last point I mentioned is the compliance side of things. So, of course, we need to comply with the German regulations. So there are crypto AML and compliance procedures that we need to fulfill. And we also have a great setup here that we manage fully in-house, yeah, where we offer a secure and a trusted service for users. You just mentioned your in-house developer. I'm wondering how large is your IT department? Because developing the engine by yourself and also managing the integration with the Laris Bank and the wallet provider, I think that's quite impressive for fintech at your scale. Yes, so we've grown quite drastically this year from around 60 to 140 employees. And we primarily grew in the tech and builders department. So specifically in the developer area and also in the product management area. Of course, a lot of the supporting functions like customer support also and operations need to grow with the growing user base. But our tech team is by far the largest and accounts for at least half, if not more, of our total employees. So speaking about the tech platform, I need to ask the obvious question. Are you running on your own infrastructure or have you built your trading engine on a cloud platform? So we've built our trading platform completely in-house. We do work with partners that give access to you know, crypto markets. So we're not an exchange per se, but the entire trading engine and the engine that essentially allows the customer to move smoothly and very fast between fiat, euro and crypto that is fully built in-house. So you do have your own infrastructure service running somewhere in your basement? 
or are using a cloud provider like like Google Cloud, AWS? Yeah, yeah, okay. No, so I mean, I'm not going to comment specifically for security reasons, but we obviously use cloud services here where it makes sense. And now I understand your question. So I think cloud banking infrastructure is state of the art. It's a given for us. So it's not really what we think is a key differentiator. And yes, we're running most of our infrastructure in the cloud. Yeah, that's why I meant obvious question. I think for a fintech, it's quite an obvious decision if there are no local regulations against it. But looking at the German market, I think that that is quite solid right now. I think that's what most traditional banks can only dream of. So maybe coming a bit back from your current technology stack and looking into the future as well, there are a lot of emerging technologies swirling around. What would you say is the most important emerging technology for you that you have not yet within your tech platform? Yeah, good question. Maybe before I go and select kind of one emerging technology, I would like to talk a little bit about technological convergence because I'm a strong believer that in technological convergence, essentially, which means that there's a number of quite advanced technologies that might yet be unrelated but in the future become more and more integrated and unified and then help us build better products and services. So, of course, there's a lot of different technologies here, blockchain, AI, cloud, VR. So I think we are right now seeing very much a convergence here. And so it is ultimately not one of these technologies that provides and builds superior services. It's really the combination. So, for example, when it comes to blockchain, I think the core role blockchain plays is in data and value distribution, especially when we look ahead in the so-called Web3, where we will be running on a lot more decentralized infrastructures. At the same time, things like IoT will be responsible for data production, so capturing data, and then also technologies like artificial intelligence, you know, ultimately consumes and processes the data that is produced. So I think we will move towards a world where technologies converge. And we already see a few industries where this is happening. So thinking about self-driving cars or mobility, where a lot of these technologies already need to work together to make it function. And at the same time, I think within banking, some of these technologies can play a really important role. So to name a few, specifically AI, I think artificial intelligence Yes, it's a word that is often thrown around and sprinkled on top of everything. But I do believe in the future, this will be a core technology that allows us to process large amounts of data, build data science models on top to create better user experiences. And when it comes to banking, perhaps help our users make better and simpler investment decisions based on our needs. So and I'm not necessarily talking about a robo-advisor or, or in that direction, but essentially help us as a company better understand user needs and develop better products and serve better, more customized financial products to our users. On the flip side, I think also when it comes to yeah, financial crime and obviously the regulation side, I think AI can play a big role. So when it comes to especially AML procedures, when it comes to blockchain analysis, I mean, the big myth is that you know blockchain is not you know transparent and used for a lot of uh, fraudulent activities which of course might be true but largely the blockchain is open is fully visible and so building and using huge data models and ai to do chain analysis and to understand the flows of money on top of the blockchain systems i think is a huge opportunity to better understand and avoid financial crime and another very good example i think for ai to be used is also in kyc and video ident making sure you know 
these identification methodologies are always improved and cannot be misled. And really interesting use cases. I think that's also the key point about emerging technology, right? It should be not an end in itself, but a means to an end, having a concrete use case behind. So one last question to you as Chief Growth Officer. I'm really excited to hear where Nuri is heading in the future. Are you planning to grow at a similar rate as you are right now? Are there any new fields you're intending to step in? Yes, absolutely. Like I kind of started, for us, cryptocurrency is just the starting point. But we truly believe that beyond cryptocurrency, the asset, blockchain, the infrastructure can provide huge advantages in digitizing and simplifying financial services and eventually offering better products, financial products to a customer, both when it comes to traditional assets. So, for example, tokenization of traditional assets, but also digitally native assets when it comes to the tokenization of cultural items. For those listeners who are a bit deeper into crypto, of course, there's a hype cycle around NFTs and you know digital ownership of art, music, whatever it is. And we do truly believe that in the future, investments will not only be based on the rather more traditional assets, but also especially when it comes to cultural items, there will be a lot of people who get interested into investing, who want to invest you know, in their favorite artist, in their favorite musician, who are interested in financial opportunities that these new assets and markets enable. So these are all trends that we are looking at with Nuri. And so I think to summarize, we will move away from cryptocurrency as a product to blockchain as an infrastructure, and through that, be able to offer new kind of investment products or deliver existing investment products in new ways. We believe many players that do not have the foundational infrastructure and knowledge will have a harder time to replicate. And only relate to this. So we're already at the end of our time. Thank you, Philip. It was a pleasure having you here. Right. Really looking forward to Nuri and the future involvements here. Thank you very much. Likewise. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you very much, Philip, also from my side. Now back to our listeners. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, make sure not to miss the next one and hit the follow button. Bye. Bye. been listening to the fintech and digital banking podcast by bcg platinian bcg platinian your experts on it strategy modern technology architecture and state-of-the-art banking the digital future is now for more information check bcgplatinian.com